today's reading is from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1 to 7. But there will be no gloom for her who is in anguish. In the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you, as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Sometimes we believe that God is distant, far away, removed from reality. That might be how you feel. The Christmas story is about all of that being proven wrong. The Christmas story is about God coming close to us, embracing humanity, and even becoming like us. You see, that's what love does. Love has the ability to understand and share how another feels. It's not distant, it's not removed, it's close. The story of Jesus coming to earth as a child is a story of God, the God of the universe, taking on flesh so that as Hebrews says, he can sympathize with us in our weakness. Maybe though, this is not your experience to date. Maybe in whatever life has thrown at you, you feel that God has abandoned you or left you or let you down. Maybe you have stopped caring or maybe not. You see, the reality is this, no matter how you feel, God never changes. God is close. His love never changes. His nature never changes. This is good news for us, something solid we can rely on in an ever-changing world. Imagine you could feel the reality of that, the rock that never moves. As it says in Psalm, 118. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. The way God demonstrated this was by sending Jesus. This Christmas, come and join us as we celebrate the fact that love in the person of Jesus came down. to be with you this morning. I just want to do a few things before I speak this morning. Uh, and that is, one, thank the children and the, and the children's team here in Cornerstone for the work that they put in. To All that they've done this morning has been fantastic. I just want to thank them uh, for, the, for all that they've done. Also want to thank those who have prepared the food for afterwards uh, in advance. 
Brilliant job. Thank you very much for that. Uh, so we are officially back to one service from today, which is brilliant. And I hope you can agree this, this feels really, really good. It feels good to be back together as one, and this is what we're going to be doing from now on. If any of the tinies haven't went out yet and you want to do that, Tiny Stones is, is, is happening outside there. Uh, children did so well this morning, but did you notice something? Uh, that, that all the lads, all the, all the Rathrylan lads, make, make the good news, the great news of Jesus coming to earth to save people, they make it sound like a threat. Jesus came, you better believe, or you go to hell. That, like, most of them made it sound sort of like that there. But they did so well. Apart from Tom Campbell, Tom Campbell could be a preacher back in the day. He was smiley, and he was nice, and he was welcoming, and it was good. Uh, and then we had Edith completely disowning Lila as she uh, ho-ho-hoed uh, the beginning of Christmas. Uh, and so thanks, you. they did a brilliant job, brilliant job. In the passage that we, we, we had just read from us, or read to us by Caris, you'll see there that in that passage, Jesus is given names. Names that, that he will be known by. Names are important. We all have one, in case you didn't notice. Uh, names are an important part of who we are. Whether you like your name or not, that's a different story. Uh, but when you were given your name, I'm sure that a lot of thought was put into it. Maybe for some, not so much. But uh, I'm sure your name was thought through. And I was thinking about this week, and I did some research into some of the names that we have in church. Uh, and I'm going to tell you uh, some of the names, some of the people that you'll know what their name means. So we have Peter, which means stone. Not stoned, but stone, rock, in case you're confused. Stone, the rock. Uh, Gail, which in, in, you'll, you'll know this straight away when I say, Gail means joy, joy, unspeakable joy. Gail means joy, right? Julie, uh, my wife, means youthful. Don't know about that, right? <laughs> means youthful. I'm taking shots. Uh, means youthful. Marcus, one of your elders here in Cornerstone Church. Marcus means, and I only took this off a website, so don't blame me if it's wrong, right? It means dedicated to Mars. Complete pagan. <laughs> Complete pagan pagan name, dedicated to Mars, right? Okay. Emily means to excel. I don't know even know if Emily's in there. She's probably excelling in the kitchen right now. Uh, to excel, right? Michaela means pain in that. No, it doesn't actually. No, no, I, I lie. I lie. Michaela actually means, and it's a, it, it means who is like God? Now, now, let's be clear. Let's be clear. That's a question. It's not a statement. All right? It's a question. Who is like God? Not Michaela. Who is like God? All right? Let's be clear. Okay. So, Alistair means to protect or defend, and he's had to do that to me umpteen times. So, that, that's apt. And finally, finally, You'll, you'll know this probably. This is no news to you. We have a few, uh, well, we have one Jane uh, that I know of in church. We have a couple of Joannes in church. And we have John in church. 
And they all mean the same thing, funny enough. And that is God's gift. <laughs> you knew that. You knew that, didn't you? You knew that already. God's gift. Amen. Uh, right. It's my job to do the not fun part, all right? I'm not the fun part. Ali and Marcus get to play with beach balls. I don't. Uh, so, names are important. Names are important. In Scripture, we have over 250 names or 250 titles given from Genesis to Revelation of the Lord. And what we see in Isaiah, what we saw there in Isaiah as it was read for us, were four in tight, uh, concise packages that appear nowhere else in the Bible. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And what we're going to do today is just briefly look at those four titles that Jesus has given and why they're significant for us. So, first of all, we have Wonderful Counselor. Right. We live in a day and age. We live in a day and age and a time where uh, if you don't have a counselor, you're probably in the minority. Let's just, be, let's just be honest. If you don't have a counselor, you're probably in the minority. And that's okay. That is fine. To have a counselor is a good thing. If you, if you need one, you need one. It's, it's brilliant. But someone once said, uh, it has been said that a counselor is someone who will help you organize your hang-ups so that you can live unhappily more effectively. Maybe true. I don't know. The name wonderful counselor in the context here in Scripture, or in scripture literally means wonder of a counselor. Wonder of a counselor. When we think of a counselor, we think of someone who will you know, help us with our issues and help us with our problems and help us to work through things. When Jesus is called Wonderful Counselor, it basically means that He Himself is the wisdom of God. Let me, let me read to you from 1 Corinthians 1.24. It says this, Come, all you who labor, or Matthew 11, 28, Come, all you who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 1 Corinthians 1.24 teaches us that Jesus is the wisdom of God. We live in a world, boys and girls, adults, doesn't matter who you are, we live in a world that is messed up. We live in a world where it's full of messed up people like us. That's the reality. There's not one of us sitting in here today that has it all together. There's not one of us sitting in here today, I would imagine, that would claim to have it all together. Right from the, the youngest to the oldest. We need wisdom. Jesus is the wisdom of God. If we want to know how to live in this crazy world that we're living in, this crazy time that we're living in, if we want to know the wisdom or, or how to live, we need to look to one place and one place only, and that is Christ Jesus. He is the wisdom of God. In His life, the way that He lived, in the way that He spoke, in the way that He now gives us His Word. He is the wonderful Counselor. He is the wisdom of God, and we must look to Him for that wisdom, and look to Him intently. In all of life's confusion, which there is much of, He is the only one 
that makes sense of it. He is the only one that makes sense of this world that we live in. He is the wonderful counselor. He's the wisdom of God. The second title that we have here is Mighty God. Mighty God. Uh, Mighty God in the Hebrew is El Gabor, hero God, warrior God. And it's a title that doesn't sit well with liberal Jewish scholars. Mighty God, uh, they think is hyperbole, It's, it's flattery. But it's who God is. He is El Gabor, mighty God. This conjures up the image of a mighty God, conjures up the imagery of battle. It conjures up the imagery of war. And whether we like it or not, or whether we like to think of it or not, one, I just think, no matter if you're a believer or non-believer, life is a battle. Life is war. But if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus, again, right down to the youngest, right to the oldest, if you are following Jesus, you are in a battle. Satan, our enemy, is waging war on our souls 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And often, we're just too preoccupied with other stuff to notice. But he's waging war. He's coming after us. If you're following Christ, you are in a battle, and Satan is doing everything he can to take your eyes off Christ and put them on other things. What do we need in that situation? We need a mighty God. We need a mighty God who will, in fact, fight for us. We're told in Scripture repeatedly, we have a God who fights for us in our place. Essentially, that's what the gospel is. Essentially, the gospel is is the fact that God fought for us. God came in in the form of Christ, lived the life that we couldn't live, died the death that we deserve. He fought for us in our place. That's the good news of the gospel. And so if you're in here today and you're struggling and you're fighting and you know you're in a battle and you know you're in a war, I want to just reassure you this morning that you have a mighty God who fights for you. This is one of Christ's titles. He is mighty God, El Gabor, and He fights for you. He fights for you. Robert Louis Stevenson, I've told you this story before, I think. Robert Louis Stevenson talked about passengers who were on a ship and a severe storm in imminent danger of sinking. And the passengers were whispering among themselves, are we going down? Are we going down? Are we going to sink? What's happening here? This does not look good. One passenger said, I have to find out. So he took the bull by the horns, made his way to the top side across uh, the decks that were going from side to side to the pilot house where the pilot of the ship had his hand firmly on the wheel. The pilot turned and saw the fear in the passenger's eyes, and he simply smiled at him. Not even speaking a word. On arriving below to the other passengers, the fearful passenger exclaimed, We're going to be all right. I seen the face of the pilot, and he smiled at me. Folks, we need a mighty God 
whose hand is on the wheel. And we have it in Christ Jesus. We have it in Christ Jesus. We need it when we're crippled by fear because of difficult circumstances. We need it when we look at the stormy waves around us. We need to look into the safe and secure face of Jesus and know, do you know what? At the end of it, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. We need a Savior who can look at the waves and say, peace be still. We need a mighty God. So there we have wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father. Some translate this title as Father forever. This child that would be born would be a father in the best of ways, loving, self-sacrificing, always looking out for our best. Psalm 103 says this, as a father has compassion on his child, so has the Lord compassion on those who fear him. We need this everlasting Father. And He is a perfect Father. One of the things that I struggle with most in life uh, is being a father. Anybody, like, if anybody in the room, genuinely I mean this, if any of you fathers out there think you have it nailed and can talk to me, please come and see me. I always don't think I'm doing enough. I always think I'm getting it wrong. I always think I'm not discipling my kids well enough. Always, 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 always. And then I'm reminded over and over again that no matter how bad of a father I am, I have a perfect one in heaven who loves me, cares for me, and wants to help me. We have a perfect father. Now, saying that, I will speak to the dads in the room. You have a responsibility. You have a responsibility like no one else in your, in your child's life. You have a responsibility to show them, to demonstrate what God is like. And whilst I don't want I because I don't want to cripple myself with the weight of that, and I don't want to cripple you with the weight of that, but you have that responsibility in your child's life like no one else. Your priorities will be their priorities. Your ways will be their ways. But you show them God is like they will think God is like. And I really want to, I'll, I'll do it in the new year again, but I really want to challenge the men actually as we move into a season of, of new life in church even. We're moving into this time where we're back to one service and, and, and things are great and Things are going well, but I want to challenge the, the, the dads in here. Make sure you make this a priority. Make sure you make meeting with the people of God a priority. You are the one that your children are looking to. Make it a priority. We have an everlasting Father who loves us, cares for us, wants to help us. That's good news for us today. It's good news for us dads especially. We give an impression of God to our children. We need to take it, we, we need to acknowledge that and take responsibility for it. But He is our everlasting Father. 
Finally, he is our Prince of Peace. In Luke 2, which we'll actually look at next week, the angels sang to the shepherds of the one who would bring peace on earth. This is impossible for us to imagine. This is impossible for us to imagine. We live in a, in a, in a, on an earth filled with war, filled with violence, and it is difficult to see how Jesus could be all-powerful God who works in, in, over all human history and is sovereign over all things. And we're told in Scripture that He is the Prince of Peace, but the world we look at seems to be in chaos. The Hebrew word for peace is shalom, which is often used in a reference to the appearance of calm and tranquility. The world that we live in, folks, is far from calm, far from tranquil. But even in our own lives, we are far from calm, far from tranquil. We are anxious. We are depressed. We are fearful. We are worried. We are across the whole range of mental thoughts and, and feelings. We are far from calm, far from tranquil. But we have a prince of peace. And here's the reality. Here is the reality for us today. We have Jesus who will come to the earth, who has come to the earth for us. And He is all these things that have been read for us. He is the wonderful counselor. He is the mighty God. He is the everlasting Father. And He is the Prince of Peace. That's who He is. It's who he'll always be, it's who he always was, and it's who he'll always be. But do we know him to be these things to us? As we sit in here today with our anxieties and our stresses and our fears and our worries, where are we taking them? Are we laying them at the feet of the one who has just been described? Are we bringing our fears and our anxieties and our stresses and our depression and whatever it may be, are we bringing it to the feet of Jesus? I want to encourage you today that He's there. He's close. He's not far away. And He wants us to come to Him. As I say, names are important. Your name is important. Whether it means youthful, whether it means joy, whether it means God's gift, whatever it means, it's important. Jesus says this in John 10, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters in by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name. By name. And he leads them out. Again. 
you've come in here this morning. We've all rushed in. We've all got stuff going on. And I want to tell you this morning that Jesus knows your name. And he knows what it means. And he loves you. He knows every thing that you've brought into this room. He knows every stress, every anxiety, every, every whatever you have going on. And He knows your name. The wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace knows your name and calls you by your name. Do you know the reality of that today? Do you know the reality of the good news of the gospel that Jesus Christ came into the world to save us sinners, to call us by our names, even though we don't deserve it, to call us by our names, to lead us home, to save us from our sin and give us the forgiveness that only He can? Do you know the reality of that today? Thank God this Advent season for the reality of the gospel that this God, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, knows our name. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us, and then I'm going to lead us in communion. Father, we thank you for this time of year. We thank you for this Advent season, and we pray that uh, you would be with us through it. We know that you're here. We thank you that you are here. And we pray just for an acknowledgement of your presence during this season. Uh, excite us. Excite us about what you can do through your people. Excite us about what you can do through the power of the Spirit. Excite us. Father, I pray for these dear folk that are gathered today. I pray that the reality of you knowing our name that God that we just described knows our name. I pray that the reality of that would sink into our hearts today. And that we'd be assured that you're with us, assured of your salvation, and know the love of Christ. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.